You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I don't know if it was the matchups. I don't know if it was the star power. I don't know if it was just seeing so many crazy loud fans in the stands. But it reminded me of when I was a kid when they always said NBA action is fantastic because this weekend it lived up to all of the hype and all of the building. Uh, build, hmm, uh, you know, I was doing so well. It up took there. your I didn't. breath all and of, words away. You, you know, were literally of, speechless about uh, it. That's, that's just what happens. And that's how we start a Monday edition of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. The ESPN Monday got you already. <laughs> Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. I tell you that I'm going to do better over the next couple hours, but it's crapshoot. <laughs> we have no idea what I do know is that over the course of the weekend the NBA was a gift that kept on giving Sarah and it came from unexpected results. Remember when we were on Friday, we'll start here, The we talked to Monica McNutt and she was the only uh, ESPN expert that had predicted the Grizzlies to beat the Warriors and even she at times sort of admitted I don't know, it's just a gut. I've just got a feeling we're just going to go with it. Well, they the Warriors not only did that, that was not only what they accomplished on Friday night but that was the beginning of a huge weekend as they managed to win their the Grizzlies. Games. You mean, yeah. Uh, sorry, the Grizzlies. Yeah, you know, I'm just, we're just going to try this whole show over. <laughs> we're just going to see what I can do. Uh, all of that to say, it, it was an unexpected weekend. And I think through all of the unexpected action, if you had to rank one moment that history will remember, it might be this moment at Madison Square Garden that happened between the Hawks and the Knicks. Now Trey has it with six. Trey with five. Trey dribbling, driving, floater. It's the run ribbon in. Trey Young scores with nine tenths of a second left. And the Hawks have taken the lead. 107 to 105. 92 okay. 9 the game on the call. Yeah. And it wasn't just the basket, Sarah. It was the aftermath of the basket. The, the trash talking, the shushing of Spike Lee. Like, it was a beautiful moment. I was going to say, that call made it sound like there was noise in Madison Square Garden after the shot. There was not. <laughs> it went from full-on Spike Lee dance break. Everyone in the crowd is going insane. I was praising Nick fans. Okay, if that tells you the level of energy and excitement that was in MSG, I said got to give it to them. They are living up to the, you know, the excitement of their first, you know, return trip to the playoffs in a while and their return to relevance. This is fun. They're living it up and doing it right and making it look like a good time out in MSG. Snap your fingers. Trey Young hits that shot. A pin drop. You could hear a pin drop. And then he follows through with the shushing and everything. Uh, just it made me so happy that we are returning slightly to normal and that there were Knicks fans in that building to have their hearts broken. Not because I, I, I hate Knicks fans, but because it made it a sports moment that we're going to remember. That's exactly it. I mean, if that same moment happens in the bubble, it's cool. But we're not talking about it nah. for weeks and weeks. Mm-mm. I mean, who's he shushing? A, the, I mean, the big screen of virtual faces. <laughs> Maybe, but even that, like, anytime you can shush Spike, like that mm-hmm. feels like it's its own level of okay. Here we go again. And just like you know, I think the Knicks being back in and the Garden being packed was just sort of a reminder of why the brand does resonate for so many NBA fans and why it's fun to watch the Knicks play. But part of the reason is because we, we always talk about heroes and villains. Like it's easy to find both sides of it, and when there's a good player in the NBA that goes off on the Knicks. I just think it's better for the league. And Trey Young doing that was just such a wake-up call to his greatness and to where he's going in this league. And also just a kick in the no-nos to all the Knicks people. It was perfect. Yeah, we often say when the Knicks are good, it's good for the league. And that is true. But also when the Knicks are getting beat in dramatic fashion, also good for the league. So they just need to be involved, I think, in some way. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Yeah, so that was a huge win. Uh, You mentioned the Grizzlies. Ja kind of having a couple moments similarly to to Trey Young in terms of like, 
a coming out party for someone. Maybe people haven't watched this, but Dylan Brooks. Mm. I mean, Dylan Brooks mm. going off. If you did not think that you expected much from this Grizzlies team, and I'll admit I had my money on Steph, but, you know, watching them against the Jazz in that opening game, some of these young superstars fits, and we'll get into it over the course of the playoffs. I don't want to overreact to one game, but I will say instead of just saying the game is in good hands, we will soon be seeing the likes of Ja and Trey and Jokic and Zion taking over. It feels like in some of these series, now might be when they take over. We might not have to wait for the next iteration. And and again, that might be an early reaction, but look at the Suns, you know, look at the Grizzlies and look at some of these games and look who is taking our attention, not just with good play, but the kind of big time shots, the swagger, the moments that you remember. And that becomes someone that you're following from then on out. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And, you know, I, I think when I look back at the weekend for the Grizzlies, one of the reasons it hit me so much is because they, they had a big lead against the Spurs. They lost it. We talked on Friday about maybe there was a, a learning opportunity from that. But you look at the end of that Warriors game. They collapsed at the end of the Warriors game. I thought Golden State was just going to mm-hmm. get, get it done. And then all of a sudden, they've managed to survive that. And so through all of the hype that comes from that, I don't know that I had great expectations going into the Utah game, but there's at least a moment of, okay, let's let's see what they do. We talked about how much rest was going to matter for the teams that didn't play. So I'm looking at a tired, young, youngest team in a decade to be in the playoffs for the Grizzlies. I'm looking at all of this saying, okay, this has been cute, but this is probably where it goes awry. And then they go in and they beat Utah in Utah. I mean, I realize that Utah wasn't uh, fully stacked and loaded, but there's a, a spot here where you look at it from Memphis's standpoint and say, God, to, to see what they've gone through in the last four or five days feels like that's the foundation that you build for for the future. And it's a really inspiring, fun moment for that city and that franchise. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, recapping some of the first games in these playoff series. We got a lot of good ones, and I intentionally did not mention Devin Booker along, uh, among those young superstars that are really making us take notice because I wanted to address that game separately. And I think there's a lot of talk about what we saw from the Lakers. We know Anthony Davis has started off playoffs pretty poorly before and then stepped into his own. We know LeBron has looked injured or hobbled and managed to fight through. There are a lot of reasons to not be out on the Lakers right away, but there's also a lot we saw from Devin Booker and the Suns that made you think that regular season might carry through into the postseason. Now, if you're a worried Lakers fan, I will say Dave McMenamin was on game night on ESPN radio, our ESPN Lakers reporter, and he basically ran through every possible reason for you to not feel too bad about game one. It's tough to say, Aaron. Uh, I, I think when you look at the end result, you say that you held a potent Phoenix offense to just 99 points. You say that we shot 7 for 26 from 3, and many of those looks are not a stretch to say that, that they, they can and should make those shots. And you also recognize that even though you, you were riding a six-game winning streak coming into this one, Phoenix had a full week off to rest their legs, and there is some continuity being sought out by the Lakers still. As you know, LeBron's only played four games now back on that ankle, which means he's only had small glimpses of playing with Andre Drummond. And Dennis Schroeder had that stint in the health and safety protocol, and he's still trying to get his conditioning back. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think for a team that most of the guys in the locker room won a championship last year where they lost game one of the, the playoffs last year as well. Uh, it would be kind of embarrassing if the panic media was anywhere high at all. 
And Fitz, I want to add to that very quickly. We don't know if more time will help AD and Drummond together, but Tom Haberstroh pointed out that when Andre Drummond is on the floor with him, Anthony Davis is a worse shooting Danilo Gallinari. Per 36 minutes, his numbers are worse than Danilo Gallinari when he's on the floor with Andre Drummond. Is that just time and comfort, or is this a guy that is not going to be a, a, a good fit and a, and a good match with him on the court out there? We'll, we'll have to get a couple more games in, but something to watch. Yeah, the only thing I would say to counter all of that is that maybe through this process, we have been so busy waiting, general media, waiting for the Lakers to wake up, that we haven't been given the Suns enough credit. The one thing I will say is that this is not a pushover opponent, and I think they showed a lot of people that, not just because of Booker, but also DeAndre Ayton was lights out in that game. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to find a way to slow him down. So I'm excited to see if the Suns can handle more from the Lakers, because I feel like And we didn't even mention Chris Paul and the injury. And what I mean, (laughs) the fact that he just couldn't get a good handle on the ball and and who's to say is in that moment was it pain was it you know connective you know whatever's going on from the kinetic chain from the shoulder to the elbow to the whatever that's going to be huge to watch of course ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection just got easier with more than 30 coverage options available. Progressive has you covered more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Okay, we're going to continue breaking down all the NBA action from the weekend, especially with some games on tap tonight. But one of the biggest stars in the NFL spoke out today in a huge way. The question is, did he know that he was on TV? Because he did not mince words. You'll hear about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Ah! Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Still Sarah can't Spain. do any of those things. No progress. Oh I mean, you know, and I've got like a serious case of the Monday brain happening here because it has not gone well. But you know what? Yeah, I always used to tell myself in concerts when I had like a bad opening to the show, the second song can be the first song. Let's go. We're going to start go. things fresh. I'm going right to start here. things fresh right now. So, Sarah, there are certain times that everybody wants their favorite football team to be in the news around playoff conversation. When the season starts, everybody's making predictions, even around the draft. You you love for your team to be in the news. However, there are certain times that you just never want to see your favorite team trending. And I would argue that May and June become that time for most fans. So today was a tough day for Atlanta Falcons fans as Julio Jones found his way on FS1. And in a clip that has gone viral that the whole world seems to be paying attention to, he's having a very what feels like a very real conversation with Shannon Sharp on a speakerphone on FS1 and Shannon directly asks him if he wants to be with Atlanta and he very bluntly says no. In fact, he also goes on to say he doesn't want to play with the Cowboys because he wants to win. So a lot of controversy comes out of this moment and if you're a Falcons fan, you had to feel like, especially in the draft when they didn't address a quarterback and they decided that they were going to go with a great option with Kyle Pitts, a player I think is going to be spectacular, You really, if you're a Falcons fan, thought, okay, we dug in. We're going to try and win games right now. That gets a lot more difficult if Julio's going to be this dug in this publicly about not wanting to play for the team. Well, there's a couple things here, Fitz. Supposedly, he told the team he wanted to trade a few months ago, and Atlanta's been shopping him around, which answers some of the questions that we had leading up to the draft. And we thought, why in the world would they get rid of him? If they're going out to get these superstar guys like Pitts and they think they're in a win mode, why why would they send away this guy, even with his agent's contract and everything? But I guess he wanted out. So there's that, uh, and it feels more inevitable now than ever that it's public and, and that it's not just rumored because he's now said it on live TV. But the part about him saying it on live TV is the part that stood out to me. It seemed to me and everybody else watching, almost everybody else watching, that he had no idea he was on television. It, the, the way he picked up the phone, the way he took his time saying, let me put you on speaker. OK, can you hear me? 
nah, I'm out of there, man, is the answer to do you want to be in Atlanta? Nothing remotely like we'll see, no hedging of bets. And then, you know, what about the rumors of Dallas? Come on, man. You already know I know I ain't going to Dallas. I never thought about going to them. Right now I want to win, right? Like these are not the responses. Even if he was trying to use this television appearance to set things in motion, I don't think you do it this way. I think that he did not know he was on TV. And I think technically... It was illegal. Uh, you can't just call someone on on a phone and, and record or air what they're saying without letting them know. It should have been the first thing out of his mouth. It made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's part of the question is, did he even know? Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, uh, presented by Progressive Insurance. It's a tough question to answer because in my mind, I just go back to the production staff behind the scenes for me. And sometimes producers have to save us from ourselves. And in fact, I, uh, on a much different clip, there have been a few times working with like L. Duncan, for example, on some social stuff where they've gotten in our ears right away because L. will start singing something and immediately the producer's like, nope, 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 nope. We can't pay for that song. Yeah. We cannot pay for those rights. <laughs> so like, you know, I always think about producers getting in your ear and like, you're almost seeing the, you know, technical difficulties thing come up on the TV. Like I would be, I'm surprised you know as much that goes into uh, pre-production and production meetings you know did Shannon just pull out the phone and surprise everybody and do that and if he did did producers not think man we have to let him know legally that he's being recorded right now because it's in California it would absolutely be a violation of state law to to broadcast that recording I'm going to put it up on the poll because I did hear some people saying, nah, that was absolutely staged, like he knew it was coming. And I did not read it that way. Just the tenor of the conversation. I don't think either of them is is a good enough actor to have done what they did and have it be staged and planned for. Um, so I'm going to put that up there at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. Do you think that Julio Jones knew he was on live TV when Shannon called him? And I also want to throw up, do you think it was fair for Shannon to call him in the middle of the show if he didn't know, because that stands out to me. Fitz, like I, and it's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN radio. I know a lot of the machinations behind the scenes and they are intricate in the timing of how long you want before this newspaper person or radio guy or talking head reveals the thing that you want to manipulate the situation, whether that's an agent calling a player a team, right? All of these hands are in the pots. And the longer I'm in the industry, the more I realize how perfectly timed so much of it is. We saw this with Aaron Rodgers in the draft, right? None of us believed that he didn't want it out. And then it came out later that Schefter sort of timed that announcement, not specific to any breaking news, but accumulation of things. And we suddenly understood like, yeah, he wouldn't have necessarily wanted it to come out that day. A lot of this is very calculated. And I don't think that if Julio Jones wanted to put the pressure on the Falcons more than it already is, this is how he would have done it, particularly the part about the Cowboys. There's no reason to take out one of the teams bartering for you, and there's no reason to give another team billboard material, bulletin board material. Um, That part about the Cowboys throws me off if this was intentional, right? That just doesn't seem right to me, unless he wants to make sure that he doesn't get sent there, but he doesn't have a say, right? I don't I don't think, does he have a no trade clause or anything? No. Help, does he have to agree to where he goes? If that's the case, maybe he wants to, you know, cut the Cowboys out from being a real contender, but um, I don't think it was, I don't think it was planned. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting look on this because, 
I saw Mike Golick Jr. tweet out earlier, hey, people call him all the time when he's on the air, and, and I, I've been guilty of that. I, I reached out to him. I was in West Hartford on a weekend, and I knew he was calling a national championship lacrosse game or a playoff game for lacrosse, and I still called him, and I'm like, oh, you want to get a donut? Because I was in the neighborhood, and then I realized I was calling somebody while they were actually on a call. So that <laughs> stuff happens all the time, and I could totally see where Julio's not thinking about I mean, Julio answers the phone. He's probably not thinking, oh, Shannon, must be on TV right now and is calling me live. Like that is also your a very... wife has called you Fitz during the yeah. show, and yeah. she knows that you're on. Like people sometimes are just doing their own thing and they forget what time it is. So anyone who told me he knows when Shannon's show is on, nah, that that doesn't do it for me. Especially as somebody who you know when you get like even if I just have a day off. Last week we had the day off on Thursday. And I was at the Cubs game all day, and every time I got an email, I go, "It's so weird that person's working on Saturday." And I'm like, "It's Thursday." <laughs> every time I got an email, I go, "So strange that they're sending me that on Saturday." It's Thursday, so I I, I don't think he's keeping tabs on on you know Shannon that way. Well, no matter what, no matter how we got here, it has to be something that the Falcons are just dreading having to deal with. And Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, talked a little about that on NFL Live. I think Julio is gone. I appreciate, in some ways, the clarity because last week we were talking about the reports that Atlanta was thinking about trading him, and I said, this doesn't make sense to me given the team's timeline. Now we know why they're trading him, or we know at least the biggest reason, which is that Julio Jones himself wants out. I have to think, though, for Falcons fans, that's incredibly frustrating, the fact that they could be trading potentially the greatest player in franchise history for a second round or worse pick, yeah. which is what mm. they got for yeah. Mohamed Sanu. Remind, I mean, it, it just blows my mind that it's gotten to this point. It's a product not just of Julio Jones wanting out, but some of the bad decisions, including potentially, you could argue, the Julio Jones contract that got him in this place from a cap perspective. I don't care the about way, the contracts there. Second round pick. I'm take I mean, if the Raiders can pick up Julio Jones with the second round right? pick, they'd have to do cap magic. I do cartwheels. You you'd be ecstatic I, I, for I, this with the Bears, yeah, right? Absolutely. Also, I appreciate that you were gonna go to analysis there. I was just gonna say Mina's single is dropping on Spotify tonight if you want to buy that. <laughs> like in the background, I was like, in West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's 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 absolutely amazing. Yeah, let's see what the value is because remember, Julio, if he'd have been traded a year ago, I think Dan Orlovsky pointed this out. They wanted multiple first round picks and would have gotten it for him. So uh, it's strange to think his value has fallen that far. We'll keep an eye on it. But coming up, a former NBA head coach going to weigh in on the playoffs next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Hell of a couple games to kick off the NBA playoffs this weekend and more to come. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget to check out the Spain and Fitz podcast, all the stuff you might miss. Joining us now in the Goodyear hotline to talk about all the NBA action, ESPN NBA analyst Jeff Van Gundy. He had the call of Lakers Suns yesterday. Before we get to that or any of the games, I got to ask you this very important question. Do you get to choose the angle of the camera looking up at you for the broadcast? Because whenever they break away and show you guys in your your little glass booths, you're always looking down like you're uh, set up to make you look nice and strong and powerful. Well, you know what? We If you know my technological background, you would know I don't set anything up, let alone a camera angle. But we were so high in Phoenix, I now know what football announcers go through on a regular basis. But I have even a bigger question for the NBA. If there are fans down on the floor, why can't we broadcast from down on the floor anymore? 
It's a great point. Feels like maybe a time for an adjustment with all the new rules that we've got going on. How yeah, much- in, in Phoenix, I don't know about in New York, but in Phoenix, masks were like, they weren't supposed to be optional, but they were optional. <laughs> you know, there weren't vaccinated sections and unvaccinated. It was just a, it was, free for act, all. it was like, it was a free for all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things watching it, I mean, it felt normal for once to have full arenas, right? Like how much different was it for you being in there and just having the vibe of the crowd with everybody? No, it was from, you know, solitude and silence for most of the year to a true uh, fan base occupying the seats and, and having, you know, passion and fervor. I mean, it felt from a basketball sense, it was terrific. Now, I'm not a I'm not an expert. I don't know if it was safe or like not, but it's certainly from a basketball experience. I think even the Lakers, as the road team, probably thought this is awesome. Right, Jeff Van Gundy with us here on Spain and Fitz. Let's talk about takeaways from that game. This is that irrational Monday where people could take one game out of a series and decide that that's representative of the rest of it, or it's an it's an anomaly. Um, between LeBron's health, Anthony Davis not quite showing up, and a great performance from the Suns. Is this what you expect to see going forward, or is it a one-off? Well, I, I think so much is about health. You know, Chris Paul's health in particular. I, I think LeBron James. I was on his left uh, side, so that I don't. I'm not as worried about that. But Chris Paul really was struggling to dribble. He was struggling uh, mightily to get up a normal-looking shot. And if he can't be at a, a much higher level of efficiency. Uh, I think it will be very, very difficult for them to score enough to beat the Lakers coming off a loss. But in game one, they were certainly the hunger, hungrier team. Uh, I thought in the Golden State play-in game, Golden State was also the hungrier team. I think the Lakers have got to find um, that sort of 48-minute uh, passion and hunger that right now is sort of intermittent. So where do they find that? How I mean, how do you suddenly turn that button on? Well, I don't believe in the turning the button on for many uh, teams or, or people, but the Lakers have two guys that they have the ability to go to a, a different level. Um, I, I think Anthony Davis, he wasn't good against Golden State. He wasn't good in game one. You know, great players – don't have multiple bad games in a row. I, they they can find themselves. And I would say, even if he doesn't shoot it well, Anthony Davis is good enough, you know, to get five or six offensive rebounds and turn those into free throws, to run in transition, um, to dominate defensively. It doesn't have to be he has to shoot well to play well. And I think he has to find that energy and passion to do that. We've seen it before. Uh, I think the injuries have probably, you know, his regular season was below what we expect to see from Anthony Davis. He's probably disappointed um, in how he's played post-injury particularly. So, But he, he also has to realize all of the negatives of the regular season can be erased with a great postseason, and he's certainly capable. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're talking to Jeff and Gundy. You've got uh, Trailblazers, Nuggets, and... We've uh, we've seen a lot out of this Blazers team, and they have the players that, to that to your point, I think have that button. Um, are they the favorites to you against the Nuggets team that you know maybe we finally feel what it is to lose Jamal Murray? 
Yeah, I, I think it's 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 not just Jamal Murray, although that's a huge factor. They have lost so many guards. You know, Monte Morris is back now, but he was he went through a long stretch. Will Barton is out. Uh, P.J. Dozer is out. So they've not only lost their star, they've lost their many of their backups, and they're starting now and playing huge minutes. Austin Rivers, who they just picked up late in the season, and Compazzo, um, who was really their third point guard to start the year. So uh, Michael Malone, uh, they have a tough assignment because the guard matchups right now are one-sided. And so Jokic is going to have to be great, as is Michael Porter Jr. So I think coming in, Portland had the healthier, uh, more balanced team. But I don't think you can underestimate just how good Jokic is. Jeff, one of the other series I want to get your take on, obviously, is Utah-Memphis. And Donovan Mitchell is uh, upset with the Jazz, according to reports, because he didn't get to play due to injury. You've been there. How do how are teams supposed to handle these moments where they're looking out for players' best interest, but he thinks he's ready to play? Yeah, those are really tough decisions. It used to be that the player had a lot more uh, power over when he played. Now he can say he can't play, but teams are – they were always a little bit cautious in the regular season. Now it's even carried over to the playoffs. And, you know, certainly – even when they get Mitchell back, he's been out for so long that can he regain his form uh, in time, whether it's this series or the next series, for them to move on? Uh, and so it's, these are tough decisions. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell is uh, under contract and he makes a lot of money, so I can see why Utah is a little conservative. And yet I can also see Donovan Mitchell's point. I know my body best and – this is the playoffs. There's no, you know, looking out for my best interest now. This is the time that I have to be allowed to take some chances. So I, I understand from Utah's team standpoint, but I truly understand Donovan Mitchell's frustration. Yeah, I'm just having flashbacks to being reminded during the last dance of Michael Jordan on the minutes restrictions and all the frustrations he had with that. It's 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 understandable for players of, of that ilk to be frustrated. We're talking to Jeff Van Gundy here on Spain and Fitz on the Goodyear Hotline. Um, I'm looking at John can Moran. One thing about the, yeah, go ahead. Can I say one thing about the minutes restrictions? Yeah. If, if, they, were, if they were truly scientific, would it all, always be rounded to like... <laughs> Like thirty number, like instead of twenty seven point five. Yeah, wouldn't it be twenty seven point two six? You know, like see, this is the thing that bothers me. We present it as science based, but it truly is best guess. And what you can't have with a team is a medical staff who's more interested in covering their own butts than they are in doing right. And I'm not saying that's the case here uh, with Utah. I have no knowledge of that. But it has happened, and they don't want to be blamed for an injury, but some of these injuries can't be blamed on medical care or anything like that. It's just things that happen during the course of a game. So I've always been perplexed as always why these are rounded numbers if we're, quote, following the science. All I'm ever going to think about well, now is somebody mid-play just walking off the court being right, like, sorry, to, sorry my, we have to my. call a timeout. We hit the exact <laughs> – I mean, actually, what I was well, thinking think about, about was – 
I was thinking about KD, though, because you're right, Jeff, but like, think about what happened to Durant, and it was the opposite. Is Why weren't they paying more attention to the medical staff saying, hey, he can't be out there? But were they? Like, that's my point. I See, you don't know after the fact, you know, like, I don't really know Durant if, if he was warned not to play. I, I have no idea about all that. But I'm just like, before the play-in game with uh, L.A., we were told LeBron James, and he's, he's he can't play. He's 28 to 30 minutes. He plays 35. Anthony Davis plays 42. So when you're in a must-win situation in your own mind, minutes restrictions don't mean anything. You know, I just think sometimes we've gotten so carried away with all of it. Like, and, and going back to Donovan Mitchell, like, you can't tell me Donovan Mitchell doesn't know if his ankle feels right. Right. And... I understand completely. You know, and here's the other thing. So last night he couldn't play. Today he was cleared for game two. So in the last 12 hours, he made either the most remarkable progress, scientifically speaking, and rehab-wise, or or they've modified their expectations of what he needs to feel like. You can't tell me in 12 hours it all changed. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Sometimes you want to protect them from themselves, and sometimes you got to listen because they know. Hey, before we let you go, Jeff, we do have uh, Game 2 of Heat Bucks tonight. What did you see out of the first one that you'll be keeping an eye on as we look to Game 2 tonight? Well, I thought it was a great game. I, you know, the Stars, you know, they didn't uh, shoot well. Butler and Dedekumpo, like, they, they just didn't. But it was a hard-fought playoff game, and it was terrific to watch. I, I really thought both teams – uh, played their hearts out. Um, I, I'm always interested in, you know, the how they're going to deal with the level of contact. And also, as a side note, are they going to really count to 10 seconds on Giannis's free throws and be that's what Paul is going to try him. to... Right. <laughs> yeah, like 10 seconds, like literally there's mayhem on every free throw and so many rules are broken on every free throw. And now in the last minute of a playoff game. Agree with you more. Unbelievable. No, it's it's bad decision making. And that was the crew chief, I believe, that made that call. I'm like, first of all, he shot free throws like that all year. I don't think he's probably been called for one 10-second violation. So the first time we're going to try to get him in line on such a major offense as taking an 11th second on a free throw is in the last minute of the first game. Totally agree. Playoff theory. And because Karan Butler's chirping, telling you to, which shouldn't be the thing that decides whether you're going to finally make that call, especially when guys are crossing every plane imaginable before they're allowed to. Yeah. Uh, we'll I be know. keeping it's... an eye on it. We'll be keeping an eye on it yeah, because yeah, if, that, if that happens again, it's going to be it's going to be an issue in in Milwaukee. Hey, we got to let you go. We could talk all night. Thanks so much for the insight. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate. All it. right. Take care, guys. Man, I wish we could just have him on the whole show. Like, I wouldn't necessarily replace you, but if it came down to that, I would absolutely make what? that trade. Jeff Van right Gundy here. here on Spain and Fitz brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven, coming up on Spain and Fitz. I don't know how your weekend went. Mine was fantastic, but let's say it wasn't great. We're going to make you feel better. A little schadenfreude. We're going to make you feel good about other people feeling bad. It's coming up next. Could be worse. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? They were listening to us. We sang this the whole commercial break because I can't stop whistling it. And here it is. This is a jam. If you don't dance to this, there's something wrong with you. Wait for it. Here it comes. Dun, dun.
Dun, dun. Really, honestly, Marconi plays the Mamba and he listens to the radio, so that's what you're doing right now. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, CSPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. There will be no Starship slander around these parts for this song, for Sarah, for anything that they ever produced. This is a banger. I appreciate you playing that for us. We had a great weekend. I had a great weekend. Went to the Red Stars home opener through a tailgate. I got to go to a couple Cubs games last week. It felt like a very long weekend. It felt great. It felt wonderful. Not everyone was so lucky, Fitz. And sometimes we make ourselves feel good by looking at the sadness of others. And it's a segment we called Could Be Worse. You thought you had a bad weekend. Phil, there is a tiger in the bathroom. You ain't seen nothing yet. I better get out of here while the getting's good. It could have been worse on Spain and Fitz. That's right. We look at people's weekends and how poorly things went for them, and it makes us feel a little bit better inside, even though deep down we know it's evil. And I'm going to start with the PGA Championship. Uh, Great weekend for Phil Mickelson. His first title, uh, major title in a long time, 50 years old. A lot of people had thought, you know, he had his swan song already, but out he comes, beats Louis Wustazen, uh, beats Brooks Kepka, and an incredible scene. Definitely not facing any COVID protocols out there. They absolutely lost control of the crowd. Uh, But the bad weekend part came for anyone roughly near the age of 50. I'm going to say, let's say like 43 and three quarters. Like if you're turning 44 next week, I'm going to say that's the cutoff. Does that work for you, Fitz? Oh, my God. I mean, just the the, I didn't know, Sarah. Like I I really I, I missed the memo that apparently once you hit like 50, you're no longer capable of doing Well, it's actually, anything, like I basically. said, it's 43 and three quarters, which I think is exactly what you are. I, I yeah, think. Yeah, uh, 44 in a week and a half, yeah, basically. Perfect. So, yeah, perfect. Yeah. That's the cutoff. I'm all in on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so anybody who was about that age and up is watching. And in, in, if you wanted to, you could feel good about it, right? You could say, hey, look at this. Between Tom Brady and, you know, Megan Rapino and Phil Mickelson, all these folks, Sue Bird. We got athletes all over the place that are playing well past the years that we usually say that they should be hanging them up. Serena Williams. And instead of feeling that way, the announcers for the broadcast made it a point of reminding you that you should be proud just to get out of bed. I mean, that is what it sounded like listening to the call. At the end, it was... Did something nobody thought he could ever do. Nobody believed it. Who could have ever guessed that the cops walking around could win a tournament? And it was like, he's only 50. It was like, it, it was a bad weekend for middle-aged dudes. Yeah, no, they, they were talking about him like like he'd done, you know, like I had dunked or something like that. There was this <laughs> level of impossibility behind it. And look, I, I was feeling that to my bones as I was sitting at the Argos game eating a helmet of uh, ice cream. Yeah, realizing love it, that, love you know, it. like, but the weird thing is that they tell you, oh, you know, 50's the new 40, 40's the new 30, but they pick and choose where to apply that metric. Like, <laughs> right, if I'm right. going to be the old man at this point, then I want to be so indifferent. I don't care if my jeans are baggy and like I no longer look good and I'm eating like 50 two things but no i don't get to have that so like make make a decision america right. like am i, will, am I allowed point. to give up now that's all i want to know that's a great point it's either like hey sink into the dad bod no judgment but then the next day it's like hey tom brady's winning super bowls like what are you doing with your life there's yeah. really no through line there for the olds uh all right let's keep going could be worse uh you could you could be an old who was watching Phil Mickelson suddenly <laughs> proud of yourself for just getting out of bed and putting on some pants. All you could be a Denver today. fan, okay? Because Carmelo Anthony heard the booze rain down in Denver and looked around kind of like, 
What's going on? I got drafted here. I led us to the playoffs every year. I never said anything bad. Why am I all of a sudden persona non grata? Let me go ahead and take care of that for you by raining threes down on you and leading the Trailblazers to a win over the Nuggets in game one. Uh, this is what he had to say afterwards. Whatever they, you know, whatever they have to say, let them say it. It's, it's, it's not my concern. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I gave my all here when I was for seven and a half, eight years. Uh, I've, I've never said anything bad about Denver, about the fans, about the organization, players, uh, never complained, uh, took everything on the chin, even when it wasn't my fault. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he left for the Knicks, but he did it in a midseason trade, and the team got value for him. He didn't just leave in free agency. He made it clear he was going to go, and players are allowed to do that. Uh, so, Fitz, it's just probably not a good feeling when you boo a guy – for leaving your team, and then he's part of the thing that that that, that roasts you in the end. At least it, it gives us a minute to forget about the Knicks fans and what Trey Young did to him. But but oh, no, you're right. I'm so sorry. I, I think they're next. Yeah, like I, we well, should make sure to include them. Let's make sure know, to include them. Just just sum them right in there. I just all, all I'm saying is that in Denver, I would think if anyone's ever hung out in Denver, like there's plenty of re- legal reasons why they should be pretty chill and relaxed about everything. <laughs> I'm surprised they were so aggressive. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. That's how Jason Fitz's weekend went. We're talking about some <laughs> folks who didn't have as helmet good of a ice weekend. Cream. Come on. <laughs> a helmet full of ice cream is a sure sign. We already talked about the first time I ever uh, had a gummy bear and then proceeded to eat a helmet full of nachos and asked why I was so thirsty for an hour. Uh, story for another time. Let's talk some NHL playoffs because I don't know if anybody had a worse weekend than the Oilers. The Oilers were up 4-1. to one. Less than five minutes into the third period, looked like they were handing the Jets an L in game three, and then all of a sudden you turn around and the Jets beat them 5-4 in overtime to go up 3-0 in the series. Just ugly fits. I mean, that is just the, the – there's a spot where you just throw your beer down and say, I give up, and that's what that moment is. There's no way you can get around it. Uh, uh, by the way, a little love to the Preds who won two double overtime games to even their series up. Okay, no one, no one's talking about the Preds right now. We're talking about the Oilers <laughs> blowing it. Uh, <laughs> were your eyes open for the game, at least? Did you catch any of it? Or uh, <laughs> midway through the helmet full of ice cream? Uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Coming up, we'll talk a little bit more NBA playoffs and also a brand new book that's out that you got to pick up from one of the friends of the show. She'll be joining us next, Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. You heard it in the update there. The Bucks up early on Miami in game two of that series. Got another uh, bit of action tonight. Portland, Denver, 9 p.m. Central, 10 Eastern on TNT. Talk about some of the NBA starts to these playoff series. A little bit of an incident in the WNBA and more with our next guest here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And joining us on the Goodyear Hotline, one of the pirates over at Meadowlark Media, Kate Fagan. Kate, thanks for hopping back on. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Appreciate you having me. Let's talk about a couple of those uh, first-round NBA playoff games. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, you know, without overreacting to any game ones, if the gut feeling I had about the Blazers uh, beating the Nuggets and, uh, and, 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 you know, the way that they're going to really finally have to face the loss of Jamal Murray in a playoff series, uh, affecting them more than it did in the regular season, is uh, is going to play out over the course of the series. Is there anything you saw in that game that you'd say, you know, you're you're crazy, the Nuggets are coming storming back? Um, yeah, I mean, well, it, it's hard for me, Sarah, because I usually keep my eyes on the New York Knicks. 
So right. I'm sorry you're, about you're, that. You're, 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 no, no, no. I know you're wanting me to expand my horizons here. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm all about Portland. I'm with you. Uh, maybe it's because I just feel like this is a team with CJ and with Dame that has, they've never really gotten over the hump to where I think they're capable of. And with the injury, uh, in Denver to Jamal Murray. Like I, I'm also leaning with you in, in terms of Portland, but I think it's more of an emotional pick, and I feel like that's where you're coming from too. Yeah. So, Kate, let's go to the Knicks then. I mean, they have the heartbreaking loss, but obviously a lot of hype coming into the playoffs. How much at this point, with all of the good feels that this team had going into the playoffs, how much does playing well in this series and winning some games to Atlanta even really matter to where the franchise is going? I mean, it has to matter, right? It, like, we have to believe, and I don't mean Knicks fans, and maybe I mean the whole sports world. Do I think it matters? Like, does it mean the Knicks are going to win the title anytime soon? No, but for a franchise that has seen nothing but trash and dumpster fires for, for 21 years, I'm watching them, and it matters to me. It matters that they play well. It matters that the garden is on fire again. So, yeah, I mean, I think that whatever, whether what they're building leads to a, a, an NBA title, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. It matters that I'm paying attention in a way that I really, honestly, hadn't since like Latrell Sprewell in in the early 2000s. Yeah, it's weird with the Knicks. There's something about instead of just being glad they're back and being excited about MSG rocking again, there is a hope that they actually, you know, bear out some fruit from this appearance, and it doesn't become something that's a blip. Um, and not return them to a sustained relevance because we all know that yeah, whether you're an Knicks fan or not, it's it's always more fun when they're playing well and, and Spike is dancing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kate Fagan with us here on Spain and Company. Spain and Fitz? Wow. Wow, I'm wow. so sorry, Spain and Fitz. Company. I'm Spain so sorry. Company. All right. You know, I'm in the room. I'm in the room. I'm you so tried, sorry. Tried to I tried to trade you out for Kate. Yeah, well, I tried to trade out for Jeff Van Gundy, and then Kate's voice threw me back to the trifecta, and I got real confused about what year it was and who I'm talking to. It's a Monday. Uh, Kate Pagan, it's Spain and Fitz. I'm Sarah Spain. He's Jason Fitz. Um, actually, I wanted to, let's just do WNBA before we get to the book quickly. I wanted to ask you this because we were talking about this pre-show, and actually we talked to Jeff Van Gundy about it during the break before we talked to him on the air, and we were kind of trying to put our heads around Liz Cambage jawing with the Connecticut Sun uh, bench and Sun coach Kurt Miller uh, talking to the refs about her presence in the game and saying about her as six foot eight, 235 woman um, that she must, she's got to be 300 pounds and, you know, wanting the refs to call the game differently. If this happens in the men's game, it's no big deal. We're used to talking about men's bodies in sports a specific way, but can you remove from context and look at this discussion in a vacuum, or do you have to acknowledge that it's something different when a male WNBA coach calls her, you know, a 300-pound, you know, big whatever, um, and is it worthy of a $10,000 fine and a suspension? Well, I thought that the fine and the suspension were too much, especially considering the scales that we're, we're talking about with salaries in the WNBA. I mean, I can't even do the math off the top of my head, but what is that? Maybe like a quarter yeah, we don't of a million dollars fine? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's like some order of magnitude to what an, so an NBA player it would be something like a quarter of a million. I thought that was overboard. But I do think that it, there's some part of it that is women's bodies versus men's bodies. But I think and this is something we talked about on the trifecta since you sort of brought up the trifecta earlier, <laughs> is that men, even though we, we make it like it's OK, that 
men can get weighed and we talk about their bodies like there isn't any sort of emotional attachment to them. That's not true either. So, yes, I think this got specific play because it was the WNBA and weight and bodies in the world of women is a specific thing. But I also think it should matter to some degree when we're talking about men as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the first to admit as somebody that struggles with body image, like it is it is interesting the way it's covered from the other side, but it's a, just a weird feeling around all of it. We're talking to Kate Fagan, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Kate, you have a new book uh, came out last week. All the colors, uh, all the colors came out. It's out wherever you can get uh, your books. Obviously, it's a story about you and your dad and your relationship through basketball and your relationship in life. How difficult is it to write something uh, about your relationship with your family when you're going through everything that you and your family have gone through? Well, it, it's actually a book that it seems like a book because it's about the last year of my dad's life when he was facing ALS and the lessons he taught me through basketball and then the lessons he taught me in that last year. And it could seem like it's a really sad book and that you know ALS is this topic that it's, it's, a lot of us don't even want to think about it. But this book is really about love and gratitude and joy along, that often comes alongside grief and alongside being with a loved one when they're facing something like this. So I do think of it, I tend to think of it as almost like a love letter to my dad and in, in its own way, an optimistic book that I hope will help people look at their own lives and their decisions a little differently. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very sad at times. Um, and acknowledging the reality of ALS is something all of us would prefer not to do unless we are faced with it directly. But honestly, Kate, I think it's so important for people to read. And I've talked about this um, specifically in my podcast. I have um, a lot of difficulty talking about death. I've been really lucky in not losing, knock on wood, people very close to me. And I'm not sure how I'll handle it when I do because I've never had to face it, honestly. And in reading this book, there's so much of, of, an, of a realization of what's to come that forces you to have the difficult conversations that you haven't wanted to before. And also, because of your relationship with your dad and, and coming out as LGBTQ+, and then deciding that maybe basketball doesn't mean the same things to you as it always did to the two of you together or to him in his own life, all of that just, I think, prompts so many thoughts for people about their own relationships with their family. So... It's a it's a really really meaningful and useful read for people. Um, and you're right; it's not it's not sad so much as it is just incredibly honest. And I think Fitz's question is a good one in the sense of, you know, were there moments where it was worse to have to sit and write about it, or was it more cathartic? It was it was always cathartic and helpful for me. And Sarah, thanks for just I know on, on that's what she said on, on your podcast, you have talked about the book and I've had actually people say that they heard about it there and that's why they picked it up. So I always appreciate your support. And I think the, the book itself, although the specifics of my life and my relationship with my dad are in the foundation of basketball and then the disease he was facing with ALS, I really do think that the universal takeaway from it is that almost every parent-child relationship or nuclear family relationship gets dented and tarnished along the way. You can't help but run into hurdles in life. And there are times when you think, I got to go back and fix that. And you can often think to yourself, well, time will tell me when I can do that, or I'll have my, my lightning strike of inspiration. But what I realized with my dad and in the process of that last year was that 
that doesn't necessarily happen. Sometimes we have to just put ourselves and wait in the position and, and have time do its work to be around that person to prioritize them rather than thinking you can fix everything with that one phone call, which is what I had thought for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that comes up in the book. Also, the prioritization of your direct married family versus uh, birth and everything else. And anyway, everyone should get it. It's called All the Colors Came Out. I actually put a link in Twitter if you want to just grab it right off there, at Sarah Spain. Blue Bicycle Books is who had the watch party, so that's who you should buy it from instead of a big, fancy place that, you know, churns out books by the second. Maybe get it from a local place near you, wherever you want to. Really, it's up to you, but you should definitely get it from wherever <laughs> I tell you and Kate tells you. Uh, Kate, you could have told me uh, before. Okay, that's fine. That's you know what? I just Sometimes I don't have to hold your hand, Fitz, is all I'm saying. Uh, is, we you all know, know that's not true. Good Lord. <laughs> just when you're learning how to ride a bike. Uh, Kate Fagan of Meadowlark Media on the Goodyear Hotline. Kate, thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, Sarah and company. <laughs> Kay Fagan brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life coming up we're going to get into that Liz Cambage versus Coach Miller conversation also LeBron and the LeBron rules it's next Spain and Fitz the podcast things looking very good for Milwaukee early on 46 to 18 mm. in this game too they're up 1-0 mm. in the series against the Heat and uh, it's early, but 46 to 18, I think, is, is I feel good about saying that uh, the Bucks are trying to make make up for last year's unceremonious exit via the heat. So we'll keep an eye on that and the rest of the games going on. But I want to talk a little bit about a WNBA incident. And then we we got to get to the LeBron stuff that hit over the weekend. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We just talked about it with Kate Fagan there. Uh, the incident with Liz Cambage. And it's a sticky one. It is not as simple as, as some would say. Um, essentially... The Aces uh, were handed a 72-65 loss, and uh, Liz Cambage had been John at the bench all night, and the coach of the Sun, Kurt Miller, um, disrespected her in a way, said she weighed 300 pounds. And the analogy I would make with a 6'8", incredibly skilled player like Cambage is kind of like if you were John with the refs about Shaq not getting you know, foul calls or for bodying folks in the lane. You might say to yourself as a coach, you know, hey, you know, you can't let him do that. He weighs about 400 pounds, right? And in the men's game, it doesn't mean much. But in the women's game, you cannot remove it from the context of society, Fitz, which so often values women first and foremost by their looks. And so often as a woman, and I'm not 6'8", but even just being six feet tall, I know moving around the world, you know, you you internalize a lot of feelings about being taller and bigger than other people, not being a cute little nugget. And at 6'8", I've hung out with Liz Cambay. She's skying over everybody. So whatever she might internalize about that meant that after the game, she had this to say about the coach. To the coach of Connecticut, I'm sorry, little sir, man, I do not know your name. Um... But the next time you try to call out a referee, um, you know, trying to get a call being like, come on, she's 300 pounds. I'm going to need you to get right, baby, because I'm 6'8". I'm weighing, I just double checked because I love to be correct and get facts. I'm weighing 235 pounds and I'm, I'm very proud of being a big body, Big Ben's baby. Um, so don't ever try to disrespect me or another woman in the league. I don't know if that's how, like, coaches run. Like, you just disrespect, you try to disrespect women like that from the sideline. Are you so lucky it was during a game? 
So, Fitz, I just want to point out, if anyone is curious whether Liz Cambage looked like she weighs 300 pounds or should be sensitive about her weight, go check out her Insta. We've talked about it here before. She is a ambassador for Rihanna's Fenty brand of, I believe it's Fenty brand of lingerie. She looks good. But that doesn't mean you can remove the context that talking about a woman's weight in a way that sounds insulting and disrespectful is going to be viewed differently. I just don't know if a $10,000 fine and a suspension is right. I think the fine and the suspension is what what sort of throws me off, Sarah. And, and look, we're never shying away from awkward conversations. I don't know as a guy how to handle some of this because, frankly, I want to look at a world and say, okay, in in modern, I've, I mean, I've said this to people. Like I've been in pickup games where I've just been mauled by somebody, and as I got up with some you know flowery language in the middle, I've reminded somebody that I'm a buck sixty and you know he's four hundred pounds. Like I make fun <laughs> of Mike Golick Jr.'s weight all the time, right? Like, and that's something I realize that guys can do and, and guys can get away with. It, but you know, I think anybody that's ever been in a relationship also knows that there's a line you don't cross. I can't imagine ever in any relationship looking at a girl you're with and then assigning a, a weight number to them. Like that just feels like that feels very awkward. So this is difficult for me to figure out what's right and what's wrong because the equality side of me for the game says a coach commenting on, hey, doesn't stand a chance. She's 300 pounds. I get the intent of what he's saying. If the intent is hey, this is a mismatch and it's going to be physical because of her size. That's something. It's not like he turned around and, and you know, legitimately called her like a fat cow or something. Right, and that's why, right. how I feel like it's being treated. So it's hard because the man in me says, this feels really weird. But the, the person in me that believes in equality for the league says, this is a coach making a comment about a player. I don't know how you find him and, and suspend for that. Yeah, and I'd like to think that there must be something in the tone that caused them to react in that way. It's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, Miller acknowledged his remarks, said during last night's game, while arguing a call with an official, I made an inappropriate and offensive comment in regard to Liz Cambage's height and weight. I regret what I said in the heat of the moment. Want to sincerely apologize, yada, yada. I think that would have been enough. I don't need the suspension and the fine, that's for sure. Um, Cambage is a noted trash talker. She is going to come hard with it, and I think she can take it. Um, and to your point, Fitz, when we talk about sports and athletics, your body is your tool. And when you come in out of shape or when your body isn't right, that should be something we can talk about. And I, by the way, if you're out there saying women want equality, shut your trap because we don't operate in a vacuum. Equality is 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 not going to be decided by let's treat women the same way we treat men, even understanding how society has imbued within us different thoughts about the value of both for the entirety of our lifetimes. But let's ignore that because we want to be able to insult women the same way we insult men. That ain't it. Right. And I know that's hard for some people to wrap their heads around. They don't understand that you can't have you know, you can have equality in the best possible ways while still accepting the realities of society and life. I just think in this case, they went too far to try to overcorrect something. We need to be able to. And in the game, you watch the the. The Aces season opener, they talked about the fact that Cambage was moving a little bit less um, uh, smoothly than she normally would, that she was still getting back into game-ready shape. That's not insulting her. That's talking about the tool that she uses to play basketball. And I'm okay with that. My guess is that perhaps his tone was not, hey, she weighs 300 pounds, it's going to be tough in there. It was, it was more condescending and insulting, and that's the result. And, and Sarah, I would also say that there has to be some, to your point of context, the way that we talked about Shaq and his size 
was far different than the way it was accepted when people were talking about whether or not Zion was going to have body issues as he came into right. the league. Like the number of times people said, hey, back off. He's an 18-year-old kid. Uh, and and I'm not saying that it's all – I'm saying that to say that context matters and however we're talking about human beings no matter their gender. So some understanding that you know the way that we come at Shaq would be the different than the way we come at somebody else seems to me to have some level of common sense to it. I just – uh, it, it's the it, the apology I think was necessary. It's the punishment from the league I think that isn't. Agreed. And I also think there's some history there that makes her probably a little more sensitive. Not only the fact that as a woman in the world at 6'8", she stands out in ways that even if she is incredibly fit and has a gorgeous body, it's not going to look like the you know, accepted standard. But she also was, you know, challenged back in 2011 by, you know, Australian coach to get back in shape and admitted that she'd, you know, sat on the bench a lot and eaten too much American food, which, you know, we should be insulted by, except for the fact that it's actually totally real. Um, and she beefs with other people about a bunch of stuff. So, um, you know, this wasn't that surprising for someone like Liz Cambage, but um, the reaction from the league is very interesting and reflects the way that, unfortunately, we do prioritize and value women's beauty first. And because of that, that is the biggest blow you can take as a woman, which is a sad representation of things, right? Um, but, you know, look at how often we'll talk about someone like Michelle Obama's arms instead of the work she does, right? That's where we <laughs> that's focus true. things. And if that's going to be the case, it's a it's a bigger hit to your brand and your value and everything else when when people criticize it. Um, certainly a sticky and interesting conversation. Uh, speaking of that, we got to get into LeBron too. We'll get to that in a little bit. But coming up, friend of the show, Cassie Hubbard. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. The Bucks are absolutely taking it to the heat early on in game two of their series. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. We're going to get some expertise on it. Serafina Spain and Chase Jonathan Fitz. We're going to head over to the Goodyear hotline where we're joined by Cassie Hubbard. The Nuggets, Mike Malone and Coach Michael, Michael Malone. Michael Malone, my my apologies, Coach. I'll get that right here in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, yeah, Cassidy, we were feeling Sarah for you. Fina. Serafina and Jasonathan. Just make sure you get that right. <laughs> oh, Cassidy, thanks for hanging out with us, my friend. See that we got I, I'm I'm all over it. Cassidy, we got you. Do we have him? Am I here? <laughs> I can't even tell. Can you hear me? Can you guys oh, we, hear me? I'm we sorry. lost you for a second, but I think you're back. We were talking to okay. Cassie for a minute, oh, okay. but we were looking for Cassidy. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. Cassidy's <laughs> here and in full effect. I will say, look, the amount the amount of um, arguing in my mentions right now since that since that Saturday. We got we got a bunch of Michaels arguing with you know, I, I appreciate it. Oh, um, I think we but I lost. might be the only person who thinks it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> uh, it is not that big. Look, I've been I've had the same long guy for a while, and he calls me Fritz every single time. He texts me <laughs> yeah. Fritz. The the world calls me Fritz all the time. They add an R, and I'm just I like mean, cool, like close yeah. enough. I can see that. Look, I you know in the moment I I wanted to laugh. Like I was not in any bit offended right. by it, um, but right. I knew he was just. He was mad. They played terrible at the end of that third quarter. He probably shouldn't have corrected me on live TV, but I get it. Like, yeah. you know, you want to. You handled it Michael. extremely anything, well. It was actually a very, it was actually of a, a strategic situation for him because now the whole basketball world knows. Don't don't call that man Mike. That's right. Do not That's call right, that man. man Mike. 
Unless you're um, Popovich. He, he actually, <laughs> right. You know what, though? I feel bad because he called me afterwards um, extremely apologetic. Extremely. I, I mean, I almost feel bad for how badly he felt. Um, yeah, it was wasn't like, a big deal. It was nice of him, nice of him no. to do that. But I don't think I don't think it was I don't think anyone watching thought it was particularly rude or anything. He was just letting you know that's what he likes to be called. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, okay, and it was uh, now we know. Right. Exactly. Now everybody knows. Uh, it was a it was a fun game for me because I'm a big fan of this. If this Blazers team, they're just a joy to watch. But obviously tough one for the Nuggets. Was that, um, you know, you look at that slate of, of first games across the board surprising to you uh, most of the results or did you did you have a lot of them going the way they did? No, you know, um, I, I, I think my immediate answer is surprising. But when you really start to like break down, say, you know, the Lakers lost to the Suns, that makes that makes sense. Um, On the road, the Suns are fired up. The Lakers are, are still kind of just figuring out how to get back into shape. Um, I think the Jazz, even the Jazz Grizzlies, like I think to a certain extent, you know, the Jazz don't have Donovan Mitchell. The Grizzlies are like feeling themselves right now. And that is a young team that is just coming out like swinging. Um, uh, So, I mean, yes, I was surprised by that, but I think you could kind of see some uh, reasoning for that. Um, The Hawks and Knicks, that's a toss up. I mean, it should be a toss up. I, I think for some reason, like, I didn't. I, I knew Trey Young was a dog, but to be able to pull off that filthy um, shot at the end, I think it just really established himself as um, someone you you know a, like a real, real, real dude in this league. Um, that is a that was a heavy environment, uh, and he was feeding off of it. So I mean, I could go through all of the games, but I don't know if you guys have that much time. But as far as the <laughs> game that I was sidelined for, um, you know, Damian Lillard did dang things. What was really interesting about that matchup, which I'm going to see, I, I'm looking forward to seeing tonight, you know, is Jokic only had one assist in that game. And usually for big men, you know, you wouldn't circle that, but Jokic is not just a great passing big man. He's a great passer. And when I, when I spoke to Terry Stotts about what is it that you're going to try to try to limit with him? And he's like, well, it's a pick your poison. You either got to, you know, focus on his scoring or focus on his playmaking and it was apparent that they focused on um, limiting his playmaking. We're talking to Cassidy Hubbard on Spain and Fitz there, Spain, Jason Fitz. So, Cassidy, what's the big adjustment then you expect tonight for that? Well, I mean, the, the hardest thing about playmaking, I think Russell Westbrook, you know, uh, pointed this out about when he was asked by the inside guys, like, what's the hardest part of a triple-double? He said assist because I can't control what other people do. Right. Um, so, you know, I think the biggest adjustment is making sure that, you know, they get they get some more production out of Michael Porter Jr., even though I thought he played a great game. I, it was just really glaring. Um, I actually talked to Jamal Murray after that game. Uh, and first of all, I was like, are you, are you, are you going to go home and ice your knee? Because um, you just had surgery in April, and you were like, mm. I'm, when I tell you he did not sit down, Someone should have sat that that young man down and be like, "You you need to <laughs> take a break on that on that surgically repaired knee." He was like bumping into Michael the whole game. I, 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 uh, <laughs> you know, it was very glaring though that they were missing Jamal in that game. Um, they, they're going to need they're going to need to step up and really get some more production. 
Serafina Spain, Jay Sonathan Fitz, and Cassie Hubbard here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We are watching Milwaukee absolutely put a beat down I on mean, the Heat. Watching them this year, there was... a disrespectful first quarter. Right, it really was. Uh, and a lot of folks have been trying to figure out, did they make enough change in the offseason to be a team we can believe in? Same goes for the Clippers. I think those are the two teams where the real eye is on, can they make you forget what's happened in the past? What do you make of both the Bucks blowing out the heat so far and then the Clippers taking an L in the first one? Well, I want to know, wait, what I think about this game so far is what is going through Jimmy Butler's mind right now. <laughs> Oof, um, so mad. I mean, like, so what? Mad. <laughs> so mad. Who's like, getting well, it after the game? Who is the Carl Anthony yeah. Towns of this team that is just going to be getting <laughs> so it? So many profanities. But, you know, yeah. you could also, you could, he, could, he may be, you know, cursing at himself um, because, it, I mean, I, Giannis has, has taken on the defensive assignment of trying to lock him down um, at times. And so, I, you know, I'm sure he's frustrated right now. Um, I, I, you know, we'll see though. That 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 team is scrappy. Uh, that first quarter, it was almost like maybe maybe they needed to go home after. But I, you know, we'll see we'll see what they can put together in the second half. But it doesn't look pretty. As far as the Clippers are concerned, man, um, oh, I guess it. You know, I think it comes down to their role players too. Um, like, what are they going to get out of? Patrick Beverly, what are they going to get out of Rondo? Um, I mean, we, we say playoff Rondo is a real thing. They, I think this team really needs it to be a real thing. Um, and then, you know, Ka- and Marcus Morris, I, Ka- Kawhi and PG, I, I think that, that they're going to show up. But, I, but Luka Doncic came out in that first game, like speaking of disrespectful, like wanting to let them know, like I, like we, we saw what you guys were doing in the standings. You, right. you thought we were going to be an e- easy uh, right. matchup. Like I, like I am, I am the future of this league. So, um, I, you know, that is definitely a spicy matchup. And you know, I, I if if that's in light of fire under Kawhi and on Paul George, then it's really not a good sign. Cassidy, you know we don't love hot takes in general, so fair, measured, balanced take here on the Lakers. When is it time to look around and say, "Huh, this team just might not be it might not be their year"? I, you know, I've learned my lesson. Like, <laughs> what's the point? What's the point of doubting LeBron until he gives you a reason to doubt him? Um, and and we saw this last year with with them. You know, they dropped game one against the Blazers. They dropped game one against the Rockets. Um, if if that, that's what it takes for Anthony Davis to realize, oh, okay, I have to play the five and, like, you know, make sure that <laughs> DeAndre, he doesn't get outplayed by um, DeAndre Ayton, then, um, then maybe so be it. But I, I still have confidence in this Lakers team. Um, because they still have two of the top five players in the league. And um, I just, I, I've learned my lesson <laughs> over the thousands <laughs> of years that we've seen LeBron continue to prove that he can step up. I mean, like, what else did you need to see, like, from what happened in the Warriors game? Like, you've never, right. we've never seen him shoot from Steph range. But yet, right. he like, and, and whether you say it's lucky or While not, blind is another too. example. Couldn't see. Yeah. What are you, what are you, right. Blind. <laughs> wild blind. I mean, I, I love me 
case of LeBron, but that whole line of, you know, the whole <laughs> him stealing the Rocky line, like, yeah. I just, you, you couldn't cringe anymore. Oh. You really couldn't. Cassidy, we always appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you so much for for coming on with us. Keep doing the great work. We, uh, You know, you got fans and supporters here. We support Mike and Michael, both. And Cassie. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Cassidy. Uh, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com. All right. We were just talking about LeBron and the Lakers, their level of concern. Well, how concerned should NBA fans be about the treatment LeBron is getting in one particular instance that may be special? We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast wherever you get your podcast. Especially during this time of the year, there's going to be a lot of NBA action. So uh, the best way to keep up with us is to make sure you're on the podcast. You can get every day's episode every single day. By the way, Milwaukee crushing Miami still. Uh, the game's not even close, but we haven't gotten to the half yet. We'll see what Miami can do out of this. But uh, we're going to get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Play Talk Wireless. Backups. And it, what, what, they're, they're, Yeah, they're just going to get everybody else a little work there. It's like, see who else can get in and play. I don't know. You know, it's closer than it was. I think they're only down by 25 now. So that's, uh, you know, that's progress. <laughs> Worth watching. Wow. I mean, good Lord. After I gave all this, pro, you know, promo to how great the weekend looked. Uh, one thing that's been interesting has been the Lakers not on the court because we all know that that didn't go the way that anybody hoped for, for game one in L.A. But there has been some controversy about LeBron James. And the NBA has released a statement because LeBron James was at an event that many thought would, uh, because of it, would result in him being put into the protocol. He was at an event without a mask on. Uh, as has been clarified by the NBA, they put out a statement that says, quote, to clarify any remaining misconception, wow, LeBron James briefly attended an outdoor event last week where participants were required to be vaccinated or return a negative test result. Under these circumstances, and in consultation with medical experts, it was determined that his attendance did not create risks related to the spread of COVID-19, and therefore no quarantine was necessary over the course of the season. There have been numerous similar violations of the league's health and safety protocols, which were addressed with the players' team in a similar fashion. Under current NBA rules, vaccinated players are permitted to engage in outside activities, including their individual commercial arrangements, such as sponsor appearances or ad shoots. So... They are saying no special treatment has been given to LeBron and giving mm. some justification to why, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, uh, whether or not the NBA can tell us that what guidelines they used would be applied to everyone is important to me, but less important to the bigger picture. And that is that I understand people having issues and concerns about the vaccination. But at some point... I have as little sympathy for them as I did for the people who denied COVID from the beginning. Because you have experts, scientists, doctors, people who have spent their entire life preparing for this moment, who are telling you that it is safe and necessary, who are explaining to you how variants of COVID will continue to spread and certain variants may be created the longer it is out spreading amongst people that the vaccine will not protect against and we will be sent right back to the beginning of the pandemic if not enough people are vaccinated. The fact that that states are giving away millions of dollars, that millions are being spent on advertising, explaining to people why they need to get it. All of that should outweigh conspiracy theories, poorly written websites, that have no justification in facts or actual news or science. 
And concerns, I, I get it, Fitz. Go have a real conversation with people, but don't respond like this, which is what LeBron said. I think it's the second cut we have when they asked him whether he was planning on getting vaccinated. No, no. Um, anything I do off the floor is uh, you know, predicated to my family, you know, uh, for the majority. I mean, for 99.9% of that. So, you know, it's about the health and safety of my family. Um, and that's what it came down to. Uh, me being available to my teammates uh, on the floor is me taking my body, um, you know, uh, me, um, you know, doing everything I can do to make sure I'm available, both mentally, physically, and spiritually as well. So, um, but anything of that of that nature, you know, that's what that's all family talk. And, and do you mind me asking if that if you're confirming that you did get the vaccine? Uh, it's not it's not a big deal. <laughs> it is it is a big deal. Uh, and to to be fair, he wasn't asked, "Are you getting the vaccine?" And he started by saying, "No." He was asked whether it matters to him that his availability for the team will likely be affected by whether or not he gets vaccinated and how he follows protocols. And wouldn't that maybe be an impetus to get it? Um, this week again after the safety safety violation which fits he wasn't wearing a mask he was surrounded by people and and you know reports are everyone had to get a test or be vaccinated so it's it sounds like a safer event than just any, anything random but if he's choosing not to get vaccinated which certainly sounds like it because why wouldn't he just say he's getting vaccinated if he is why wouldn't he just be one of the people who leads the charge and is it is a representation and, and and sets an example for people but him saying no and evading it and saying it's not a big deal tells me he's not getting it so he's relying on everybody else protecting themselves and then walking into those spaces and feeling safe because everybody else is making the right choice this is what he said about it well, LeBron, what, what was your reaction to the NBA that's saying that you violated the health and safety protocols? What's what's your perspective and explanation on all that? Uh, I'll be ready for game two. Just have some respect for this is a really serious issue. I just it's really frustrating to me. Someone who's a leader on so many other things deciding that he's just going to tuck his tail between his legs and say it's not a big deal and not comment on it. I think it's interesting and of note, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, that at the end of the statement the NBA put out today, it says under current NBA rules, vaccinated players are permitted to engage in outside activities, including their individual commercial arrangements, such as sponsor appearances or ad shoots. Well, I'm, I'm not sure why they're putting that in a statement about LeBron if he's not confirming that he's vaccinated. That's the weird part about this. And it makes a difference to the safety protocol. So to anyone that says, well, he doesn't have to tell us, Certainly, uh, you're right. I mean, he doesn't have to answer that question should he choose not to. But the league, in putting out a statement, is is saying something, right? Like, I, it doesn't right. make a lot of sense for them. Either to they're trying to cover to their portion. own butts for not wanting to, right? Like, either they're yeah. trying to cover their own butts for not wanting to take a superstar out. Because that wouldn't just be the first game. That would have been the whole first round that he would have been out according to quarantine protocol. Which is which is all I'm asking for anybody in this entire pro. Like I've I've learned something about myself in the last eighteen months, and and I think we all have over the course of the last year, particularly. But I think one of the things that I've learned really matters to me as a as a a, a principle, a building block, whether it's from a business or corporation, an individual, a, a leader in any step is is consistency. Like that's what I really care about is some sort of honest transparency and consistency. Those are the things that matter to me. And so I look at the NBA and say, you know what? I'd have more respect for a statement where they say, hey, we realize that this would be really bad for ratings, so we're going to keep LeBron in because we have a loophole in the CBA that lets us do it. I would respect the hell out of that answer because at least I'd feel like, hey, everybody's owning up to everything. But for the NBA to put out a statement that does essentially try to say, I mean, the beginning of it is so condescending to clarify any remaining misconception. LeBron right. James briefly attended an outdoor event last week. Okay, my question is, they say that other people have, have faced similar punishment. 
who, when, where? Give me some example right. so that or I know no that punishment there's consistent application. Right. right, right, no punishment. Right, we've seen when players have been punished, whether it's James Harden or others, Lou Williams. So to have LeBron be out, visible, no mask, with plenty of other people, when, as far as we've been told, NBA players didn't have the right to just freely interact, um, when did this change? Who are those people who have been allowed to do this without? I mean, obviously, LeBron's going to get a lot more attention than other people. Um, I think fits to me. It's just it's it's frustrating because they don't have, in my opinion, they don't have the guts to actually punish him for something. And if it's true that it, it wasn't punishable, then they needed to be more clear about how those rules were changing before this happened. And if they're simply not punishing him, then he knows that at this point. And you want to talk about just sort of a God complex that no athlete needs against a league. Uh, that's some straight talk. Straight talk wireless, no contracts, no compromise. We'll see what it means moving forward uh, for the right. Lakers. And, and I, think I mean, I think all... he should have gotten fined for saying they should have fired the person who had made the play in tournament. I think other players or coaches might have gotten fined for that. No, a thousand percent. Uh, the, the, the rules are being applied differently. And... Uh, I, again, I, I think we all know why. Like None of us are ignorant when it comes to this conversation. So it's just a matter of, of stop treating us like we are. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.